Welcome today everybody to Faith Alive. Now we're going to embark on a two-part message now on the Holy Spirit. And uh, so the first part is just going to be what or who is the Holy Spirit. And the second part is going to talk about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Because we've talked about John's baptism and Christian baptism. And we want to talk about the third baptism that there is in the Christian faith. Okay, let's just pray. Oh, Father, we love you. We want to learn the truth of your word. Just come, Holy Spirit, today. You are the spirit of truth. We pray that you will bring us to understanding of the truth of your word today. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Well, it gives me great joy to speak about the Holy Spirit. I love the Holy Spirit, that person of the Godhead that is present right now in my life and in yours if you know Jesus. So I'm going to start by just talking about the spiritual uh, realm. You know, we in the Western culture have a, a pretty materialistic and rational kind of mindset, and often we dismiss spiritual happenings, or we consider them weird and paranormal and the subject of scary movies like Ghostbuster. Actually, you know, when I was in Asia, I came to understand that the people there have no such problems. They are very con uh, connected with the spirit world. Many have a great fear of evil spirits who they've experienced and the dark power that those spirits have in their places and lives. So they try to appease them in various ways. Now the Bible teaches us that there's a great battle going on in the cosmos between heavenly spiritual realm of God and the spiritual realm of Satan and his evil hordes. We read in Revelation, the last book of the Bible, of the ultimate total victory of Jesus and the kingdom of God over every demonic demonic force including Satan himself. In the meantime we're in a battle. Jesus has won the victory at the cross but the enforcement of it is still happening and so we ourselves are in a spiritual battle and when the Lord uses the when the Bible uses the term spirit there's a number of ways it's used and let's just go through them quickly. First of all it's a human spirit Spirit. So you know this, we're made up of body, soul and spirit. And uh, the body, yeah, you know the physical bit, the soul, the bit of the emotions and the will. And then we have the spirit in us, which is the part of the human personality that makes a relationship with God possible. You know, this is the most important part of us. This is the part of us that lives forever. Our old bodies don't. Okay, then the Bible also talks about unclean or evil spirits ruled by Satan. And they are spiritual powers. They are fallen angels from the time of great rebellion of um, an, a, a horde of, of angels that rebelled against God and were cast out of heaven. And they do everything in their power to block a human being having a full relationship with God and with other people. Um, we need to know that these forces have a short life. 
they know their time's short and ultimately they will have to surrender to Jesus at the end of time. We read it in Revelation. In the meantime, we also need to know they are much less powerful than our Saviour, Jesus. And that in the name of Jesus, they have to go. They have no answer to the power of the name of Jesus. Okay, so thirdly, uh, we uh, have spiritual realm messengers and they're called angels they are spiritual and spirit and they help christians and they help god work out his plans on earth and by far the most frequent use of the word spirit in the bible is to do particularly the new testament is to do with the holy spirit right from the first chapter of the bible onwards okay so who or what is the Holy Spirit. You know, this is where we have to realize that our brains are pretty small and there are some mysteries about God that are quite hard to understand and sometimes we have to just ask God to bypass what boundaries we have to show us what we really need to know. Sometimes we need to be content to stand in awe and wonder at our amazing God, even when we don't understand it all. Okay, so we know that our God is three parts, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But they're all bound up in one God, three persons, one God. Now the Holy Spirit is not a thing, the Holy Spirit is a person, just like God the Father and God the Son. And it's through the Holy Spirit that God knows everything. There's nothing hidden from him. And through the Holy Spirit, God is present everywhere at the same time. That's something that's really hard for our minds to fathom, but it's one of the awesome things about the Holy Spirit. And you know, when Jesus was on earth, he couldn't be. He was limited by his human body when he came to walk the earth and be a sacrificial um, um, offering to take away our sin. He came and was limited by a body, but the Holy Spirit is not limited. So he can be everywhere at the same time. Listen to Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 23 and 4. This is what... Jeremiah writes about God. God says, Am I only a God nearby, declares the Lord, and not a God far away? Can anyone hide in secret places so I cannot see him, declares the Lord? Do not I fill heaven and earth, declares the Lord. And again, we can read more in Psalm 139, verse 7, where the psalmist asks this question, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? And he goes on to mention all kinds of different places over the other side of the sea and wherever in the world, all different places, but you cannot flee to somewhere where the Spirit of God is not. Okay, so he sees us, he sees all that we do, he knows. So number two, the Holy Spirit was active in creation. 
<clears throat> and then all the way on from there to now as well. So we see in Psalm 33 verse 6, this is what it says, By the word of the Lord the heavens were made, <clears throat> and by the breath of his mouth all their host. And the word breath in Hebrew, or ruach, literally means spirit. So by the word of the Lord the heaven was made by the spirit, all their host was made. So he was right present in, in uh, creation. And we read in Genesis 1, verse 2 to 3, Now the earth was formless and empty, darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Just like a bird hovers, and sometimes the Spirit is likened to a dove. Right, so the next point is that the Holy Spirit inspired and empowered all the people of the Old Testament who serve God. There's lots and lots of examples. Right from Exodus 31 talks about a man called Bezalel and the Spirit of God gave him the ability to produce outstanding creative workmanship. So this wasn't just about speaking. Here, the Spirit of God inspired his hands to do amazing work. In Deuteronomy 34, verse 9, we see that Joshua was filled with the Spirit of wisdom because Moses laid hands on him and Moses had that Spirit, so he passed it on to Joshua. When we think about Gideon, David, we think about the prophets. The Holy Spirit often came on people for a particular thing that they needed to do uh, or time. Uh, and with the prophets, 2 Peter 1 verse 21 says, For prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So all the prophecy that we read from the Old Testament, books of it actually, that was inspired by the Spirit of God. And we read in Matthew that Jesus, when he came to earth um, to walk the earth and to offer himself as a sacrifice for sin, during his earthly ministry, he was anointed by Father God with the Holy Spirit for his ministry. Let's look at Matthew chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. Um, Jesus wanted to be baptized in order to be a model for how those who come to know Jesus should um, take part in um, this sacrament. And it says in those verses, As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water, and at that moment the heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, <coughs> This is my Son whom I love, and with him I am well pleased. So you see that community of Father Son and Holy Spirit all together at this moment at the beginning of Jesus' ministry on earth. And he remained with him during his ministry right through. 
And uh, we know that Jesus relied on the Holy Spirit for everything that he did. He was in contact with his Father through the Spirit. And he didn't do anything that the Father didn't tell him to do. In Acts chapter 10 verse 38, it says this, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. And what had ha that happened then? He went about doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. You know, this is really important to get hold of when we think that God wants to have the Holy Spirit dwell in us so that we can do the same kind of thing as Jesus did. Going about doing good, being participants in the healing and the breaking of the power of the devil because of the presence of the Holy Spirit of God in us. Okay, so in here number five, Jesus was referred to by John the Baptist as the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. Now, Jesus is the baptizer. The Holy Spirit is the gift that Jesus gives to believers from the time of Pentecost onwards. When Jesus went to heaven, he poured out his Holy Spirit on his followers to give them the power to live the way that he wanted them to live. He promised his disciples would receive the same Holy Spirit that had empowered and inspired him. Let's just turn to John chapter 7. John chapter 7, verse 37. If you're not turning, I'll read it anyway. John chapter 7, verse 37 to 39. And on the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in loud voice, Let anyone who's thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given since Jesus had not been glorified. So Jesus, when he came and died and broke the power of sin, then he went back to heaven and, and he promised the Holy Spirit for his followers. He would only come when Jesus left the earth and he would remain forever. When Jesus was on earth, as we said earlier, he could only be in one place at one time. So if he was with John over there, he couldn't be with Peter over here. He was in one place at a time because he was limited by his human body. He was in time and space. Now with Jesus coming back in the Holy Spirit, there's no limit of time and space. And so in our lives, um, God can be blessing by the Holy Spirit. Many people all over the world at the same time because he's not limited. The Spirit of God can be everywhere at the same time if he wants because he's not in time and space, not limited by it. So John 14 verse 15 to 18 says, 
that he's talking about at this particular time in Jesus' ministry, the Holy Spirit is with them, but will be in them. John chapter 16 verse 7 says, I tell you this truth, this is Jesus talking, it's for your good I'm going away. Unless I go away, the counsellor will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you. Now let's look at the scripture here in John 16 because there's a lot more to it. And it tells us some really good information about what the Holy Spirit's like. So go to John chapter 16, verse 12. And Jesus says, I've got much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will only speak what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That's why I say the Spirit will receive from me and he will make it known to you. So we see that the Spirit of God is a Spirit of truth. And he also, in verse 7, talks about, is talked about as the Advocate or the Comforter or Helper who comes alongside us. These are wonderful truths to know about what the Holy Spirit's like in our lives. You know, when we are in having really awful times, we can cry out to God to, that his Holy Spirit will bring us comfort because that is part of his nature to be a comforter to us. Now, looking at 2 Timothy 3 verse 16, we see that the Holy Spirit is the true author of all scripture, both Old Testament and New Testament. And it says there that all scripture is God-breathed. And when you know about the breath, that is another word for the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God. So this is from the Holy Spirit and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness. The written word of God uh, um, and Jesus, uh, sorry, let's go that with that again. The written scripture is the written word of God and Jesus is called the, the word of God as well. And he's the personal word of God. The spirit of God and Jesus are in total agreement. Not only does the Holy Spirit reveal and interpret the Bible, but he also reveals <coughs> excuse me, and interprets Jesus to us. He helps us to understand what Jesus wants us to do and be. The Holy Spirit takes what belongs to Jesus and makes it known to us. He glorifies Jesus for us. He shows us Jesus in his glory. So if we want to know more about Jesus, we need to lean into the Holy Spirit. We need to ask him to show us because that's his job. Every aspect of the nature, the character, the ministry of Jesus is unfolded 
for us to understand more about it by the Holy Spirit. So we sure need the Holy Spirit in our lives to help us to grow and to understand the truths of the Word of God. Another interesting point about the Holy Spirit is that He is the part of the Godhead that has all the wealth of God at His disposal. He administers the total wealth of the Father and Son because all that the Father has is given to the Son and all that the Son has, the Holy Spirit administers it. That's a really precious thing because that is the, tr the treasures of God, all the treasures of God, all the storehouse of God, all the wealth, which is just more than we can understand. And finally, when the Holy Spirit came uh, on the day of Pentecost, there were some immediate responses for the disciples to this happening. Something changed in them. Where the Spirit of God breathed on them when they chose Jesus and when they made a, de a decision to follow Jesus and could understand that he died for them, at this particular day, uh, they understood more because the Spirit of God was poured out in them. And this was a much greater uh, filling than they'd known before. And we see that they understood the plan of God and the ministry of God of Jesus far better than they ever had before. We can find that in Acts 1 and 2. And they became bold, whereas they'd been bits of cowards and they denied Jesus and they hadn't understood a lot of things. We find this incredible boldness came upon the apostles and such supernatural confirmations of the... Um, filling of the Holy Spirit, for instance, uh, spiritual gifts, like tongues, the gift of another tongue that's different, we'll speak about that next time, prophecy and many other spiritual gifts, the ability to, to declare healing in the name of Jesus, all kinds of signs and wonders that came as gifts from the Holy Spirit. And they are available to us today. We don't have to live with a feeling that there must be more the filling of the Holy Spirit opens a door to all that we need and more to, for us to walk the way God desires us to walk. So this is, uh, this is the first part finished about the Holy Spirit and what he's like. And next week we're going to speak about the filling of the Holy Spirit, what that means. Okay, so let's just pray. Father, we thank you so much for the awesomeness of your plan for us and that you equip us with the Holy Spirit to be present with us every minute of the day to help us in every way we need. That's so awesome to know that you're our comforter, our friend and our guide every day of our lives. Thank you, God. We're so grateful to you. In Jesus' name, amen.